Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your word. Pray that the Holy Spirit work on us, in us, through us, during this message. That we come to know Jesus evermore, to love him evermore, to follow him evermore. Gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. We had a really good movie last night. It was called Woodlawn. And for movies, I've learned to play trailers before the movies because often people will come in a little bit late. I mean, have you ever had this conversation when planning to go to the movies? Hurry up, we're going to be late. The other person says, don't worry. They've got all of those previews. We've got plenty of time And besides, we can always just sneak in after the movie has started. I bet nobody's had that conversation before, right? We all have that kind of conversation where we can kind of sneak in even after the movie has started. And by the way, this had nothing to do, this was already written before the movie last night, just in case. So I'm letting letting people know. I didn't just modify it for this morning. But in the same manner, people approach their faith, even salvation, in that manner. That even after they've died, after the judgment has already been declared, they can somehow sneak in into heaven at the last moment. But unlike movies, there comes a point when it is too late. And thus, we spent a lot of time last week in the message with the question, are you ready? You see, Jesus is coming again, and there will be a final judgment, a great separation. As a matter of fact, Jesus spent a lot of time before he was crucified warning his disciples Let me give you a little context. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We call that Palm Sunday. And then in Matthew chapter 26, that's the Passover meal. That would happen Thursday night. We call that Monday, Thursday. And then the next morning when he is taken away to be crucified, that's Good Friday. So we basically have half of chapter 21, all the way through 25, and there's a considerable amount of emphasis that Jesus gives, warning people, warning his disciples, making sure they are ready. He he warns them about hypocrisy. He warns them about false prophets, false Christ, who would lead the people astray. He talks about being awake and ready because the Son of Man will come when you least expect it, and he talks about coming in the middle of the night. And then in chapter 25, he also talks about being fruitful, not just being awake and ready, but being fruitful using the spiritual gifts that you have been given and doing work for the kingdom of God. That is the context, and I gave you just the headlines there. 
So now we come to the very end of chapter 25, and this is about the final judgment or the separation of sheep and goats. If you want it in one sentence, it is this. In the glory of the sun, there will be a separation of the sheep and goats. And you could even put in there a separation and final judgment of the sheep and goats. So the question is for all of us this morning, which group are you in? Which group would you be in? So let us start with, in the glory of the sun. Our verse 31, Matthew 25, verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Now, it's really easy to gloss over this particular verse and kind of get to the other bulk of the parable, of the story that Jesus is telling. But if you skim over this, if you gloss over this, you miss the import, the impact of everything else that comes. So he uses this title, The Son of Man. For those who are not familiar, it is a common title that Jesus uses. In fact, in the Gospels, it's used over 80 times. But where does that come from? Now, for those who have been with us for a while, I've covered this before, but as a reminder, this comes from Daniel chapter 7. If you want to note that, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The Son of Man. Now one Bible encyclopedia put it this way and I like how they did it. It is a messianic title used by Jesus to express his heavenly origin, his earthly mission, and his glorious future coming. Heavenly origin, earthly mission, glorious future coming. Jesus, Christ means Messiah. All right? So when it says the Son of Man, it is a messianic title. And if you go back and if you read Daniel you see that this is no ordinary man. That he is there in heaven, the throne of heaven. And he has the same glory as the Father. He has the same dominion as the Father. That all peoples will worship him. And his glory, his dominion, his kingdom is everlasting. So this is the picture you should have when it says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory. So a heavenly origin, but He also has that earthly mission, right? And that earthly mission, I think, is best expressed for us in Philippians. If you, if you want to bookmark Philippians, it has it on the screen there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, 
taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So in Philippians, in those verses, you see that he humbled himself, even to the point of death on a cross. But then God exalted him, and now we have his glory restored. That's the height, the breadth, the depth of what that verse means. The Son of Man will come in his glory. And when he is in his glory, you will not forget it. It is a sight that everyone will know. Not just us here in the church, but everyone. Matthew 24 says, Then will appear in heaven the signs of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So here you have Jesus coming in his glory, and the angels are going to go out, but there's mourning. because There's mourning because not everyone has received him as Lord and Savior. See, these are, I think, the same heavenly hosts, the angels, that a few weeks from now, right? For Christmas, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about their heavenly singing, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth with whom he is pleased. And they are singing a song of peace, but when they come, these are the same angels, and people will mourn at their coming. This is the picture, the height, the depth, the breadth of what we should consider here. And then there is going to be a great separation. It says, verse 32, Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Now when it says... All nations, we should take that to mean all peoples. There will be no one left out from this final judgment. Okay. We need to pause here a little bit because it's going to be really tempting when we read the rest of it to think kind of like at the movies. Well, I've been a goat, but I'm just going to go on the sheep side. I mean, really, it won't matter, right? I I can just go with the sheep. I can sneak in like the trailers at the movie. But you need to understand, the sheep and goats have already been identified and judgment has already been made. Now, I don't know if you can see it on the screen very not, but both the goats and the sheep have ear tags. I worked on farms growing up and we would tag the sheep, sheep, and you would know who they are. 
And thus the shepherd knows who they are, and shepherd also knows who the goats are. It's not a question when they come into the pen, oh, I wonder if that's a sheep or goat. No, it's already been decided. So how do we know? Well, go to John John chapter 10. I'm going to take a couple of verses from John chapter 10. Who are the sheep? To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So who are the sheep? The sheep are the ones who have been called by the shepherd. And they know him not by name, just by name. They know him as Lord and Savior. They know that there is nothing that they have done that merits their own salvation. That it is all by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, the shepherd alone. That's how they've been saved. And they follow him. Because they know him. You see, the judgment has already taken place. And at that time of the separation of the sheep and goats, you are already saved or already condemned. You see, the picture here really is of coming into the court of Jesus. You know, in our terms, we call it a courtroom. There's a legal proceeding here. But it's not as if Jesus, the righteous judge, has come out and has to make the decision at that time. In this case, it is more like the judge who has already made the judgment and he is now coming out to declare the judgment. This is what is taking place. Jesus, the righteous judge, comes out to actually declare the judgment. So why am I placing so much emphasis on this, that it's already taken place? Because there are a lot of people, many, many people, who are going to read the rest of our reading from Matthew, and they're going to come to the conclusion that you are saved by your good works. If you or friends know that you know, come to that conclusion you have changed the gospel. You have now added to the gospel. Yes, it's Jesus plus my good works. The gospel is Jesus Christ alone. We do good works because we are saved. So I've got here, because we are saved, we do good works. Period. There's no if, and, or but about it. Our good works are an outward expression of the inner love and gratitude that we have of Christ Jesus. That's it. So there's a separation that will take place. Just as the wheat and weeds are separated, the wheat and tares, so it will be with the sheep and goats. So let's talk now about the judgment about the sheep. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know, I I spent some time trying to think about how do I explain this inheritance that you have? Because it is a glorious inheritance. And I actually thought about Extreme Makeover, the home edition. It's an old show from like 2003 to 2012. Are you familiar with it? So what the the producers would do, they would go and they would find a a family or an owner of a home who just needed to make a lot of repairs and couldn't. They just didn't have the wherewithal to do it. And sometimes it was even affecting negatively the person's health. So they would come in, they would take that person and send them off to, I I think it was like connected with Disneyland or something, for a week. And in one week, they took the home and they transformed it. And sometimes they redid all the rooms, sometimes just a couple of rooms, sometimes they had to tear down, I think one time they tore down the entire home. It was that bad. And then what they would do, they would bring the person back and they would bring them up before their house, but there was a a bus right in front of the house. And do you remember that phrase? Move that bus. And the bus would move over and behold, they had a new home. I love that show. I don't know about you because it was so heartwarming. And the people were just filled with gratitude and thanksgiving and they would go home and there would their eyes would be wide open their jaws would be dropped because what they had before and now what they had in front of them was night and day difference and what they had in front of them was so so glorious that they were overcome come You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, in Christ Jesus, we are adopted into the family. As children adopted in the Father's family, you enter into your inheritance that has been prepared before you. Whereas before, all of us on earth We're beggars. doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. We are all beggars before God. But now you come into this glorious inheritance that's been prepared for you. You've gone from a house, uh, sin, shambled home, to one now of pure perfection. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That should give you great, great assurance, blessed assurance that you and I are blessed by the Father, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done by grace. And we enter his blessing with the joy that he has prepared before you before the foundation of the world. Okay, all of that. Now that sets the scene. Now we can get to the words that almost everybody knows. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So what does this mean? Is this a prescription? A prescription is something we must do to achieve a desired end. But I would pose to you that this is not a prescription because people will say, well, if I do this, I'll be saved. Again, that's a different gospel. I would say to you that rather this is a description, not a prescription. The actions of the sheep and their actions reveal to whom they belong. Look, Jesus said this too. Luke chapter 6, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. So as sheep, as followers of Christ Jesus, there is naturally fruit that is done. There are things that we do as followers of Jesus Christ. To be a follower of Jesus is to live a life of service, a service unto others. And this habit should be so ingrained in us that when somebody points it out, we should be surprised. Like, well, that, that's just what I do. That's just who I am. The, the sheep were surprised. I mean, listen to them. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And Jesus said, you did that for them. You've done it unto me. See, they were surprised. But sheep who follow the shepherd naturally live a life Of service. To be a follower of Jesus is to live a life of service. Our love for him is reflected in love for others. Martin Luther said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. That's a life of service. Now, see, here's the thing you can't just say, I believe in the gospel and not have a life of service. Or you can't say, I'm living a life of service. I really don't care about the gospel. You cannot forsake one for the other. They go hand in hand. You have the gospel, which then gives you the compelling nature of good works. You can't forsake one for the other. And a lot of people will read this section of Matthew and forsake the gospel just for good works. It's both. Go to James chapter 2, verse uh, 14, starting verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have good works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. The split, right? You have faith, I have works. 
Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You can't forsake one or the other. Jesus said, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, these my brothers, you did it to me. Now, if you understand everything that we've done so far, this next section will be much easier. If you understand that you are saved first by grace alone, through faith alone, and then good works follow, you will understand the next section. And by the way, just like last week, (laughs) wouldn't it be nice just to end there? Wouldn't it? I mean, let's just stop on the positive high note here. Jesus does not do that on all of his parables, all of his accounts, his stories in Matthew 25. So we must be faithful to Scripture. All right. Uh, You've got verse starting 41. I'm going to read through 45. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick, and in prison you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Okay, so what makes a goat? Now, it's really easy to say a goat is one who rejects Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's pretty clear, right? And for them, there is no promise of inheritance. There's no sneaking under the wire at that last moment, those who reject Jesus. But is it just those who reject Jesus? I think not. I think the warning is not just for those who reject Jesus. The warning is also for those who are hypocrites of faith. So, we talked about this last week. Matthew chapter 24, verse 50, 51. The master of that servant will come on the day when he does not expect and meet him at an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put with him and put him with the hypocrites in that placing there will be in that place there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth who are the hypocrites who are the goats here these are the ones who give lip service only they give lip service to Jesus Christ and his gospel oh yeah Jesus yeah gospel I, you know I went to church last Easter I'm good and then they turn around and their life has nothing to do with following Jesus There's no zeal, there's no fruit of being a disciple at all. Jesus makes it very clear, and if you really want, read, I I think it's Matthew 22 22 or 23, Woe woe to the Pharisees, the hypocrites, whole chapter on that. So he lays into people who are hypocritical in their faith. And there is no promise for that. For what does he say? Well, actually, there is a promise. I'll I'll give you what the promise is. 
The promise, he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice that both hell and the devil are spoken about in real terms. It is not in figurative terms, as we talked about last week with the Methodist church, which doesn't believe in any of that. Jesus speaks in this in very, very real terms. And so those are going to go away into eternal punishment. So Jesus gives warning, right? And he gives promises. The promise is this. Those who are of his flock, who know him as Lord and Savior, who are leading a life unto him, those are his. He knows you by name. And those are the righteous. They will go into eternal life. The goats into eternal punishment. So the application this morning is really simple. Because it's going to be either the cheaper goats, one or the other. Which one are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in your love and your mercy, you have given us Christ Jesus and his word. We know that by ourselves we are weak, but we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us on evermore unto Christ Jesus and to the promise and the blessed assurance that we have in him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.